thank you for taking this time this morning to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, I really appreciate this because I this is something that I do. So all of you out there that are watching this, make sure that you pay attention right now. What I tend to do is if you compliment this podcast anyway and you tell me you've been looking at it, likely I'm going to ask you if you'll come on. Especially if you look like you'll be willing to do it. Anyway, thank you so much for doing this. And you did say that you liked watching the podcast. I did. And then I looked at your credentials and I said, my goodness, <laughs> a lecturer at KL and you're fantastic. Thank you. Where were you born? I was born in Chicago. Okay. Where in Chicago? Southside. Southside. Um, actually, uh, what was the name? Uh, Oak Lawn, I think is the name of the neighborhood. Okay. And, and you grew up there? Yeah, I grew up. Um, I grew up in a neighborhood called Riverdale, which is, if you're familiar at all with Chicago, um, right. just south of a neighborhood called Pullman, which is a, a fairly famous district of, right. of the city. So yeah, I grew up there. Um, it was a very peaceful memory of childhood for mm -hmm. like growing up in that neighborhood. Okay. But looking at it now as an adult and seeing what was actually going on um, was kind of a surprise. Like, do you have siblings? <laughs> I do. I have an older sister, three years older than me, and okay. a younger brother who's two years younger. Mom and dad still alive? Uh, my father alive? passed away maybe five years ago or I'm so. Sorry, my mom's you. still alive. Thank you. Okay. Um, yeah, my mother is still in Did they stay together area. the whole time? Yes, yes. They stayed together. May I ask, is it, are you religious? Do you have a religious background? Um, no. No, we were not raised um, in a religion, although we were, <laughs> kind of a strange story, uh, we were sent to a church for a, a short period of time. Um, a, a bus would come and pick us up and take us away to um, a church. I, they called themselves a church. It was some sort of a non-denominational facility that my only really strong memories of were um, the pastor and his wife speaking in tongues at the front of... <laughs> The church. Well, would they baptize you? Would they baptize you with olive oil? I don't remember doing that. But Did they play music? I don't remember music either. I remember singing songs and sitting with my siblings in the back of the church, you know, making up new lyrics to, so how old to were you the when song. This oh, I would have been mm -hmm. maybe seven, eight years old. Okay, so you remember there. this? Yeah. Right? Um, so yeah, it was just my brother and sister and I, um, and I think my parents. Uh, were sending us off because they couldn't afford a babysitter, so this was their their adult alone time. <laughs> how, how long did you do this? Uh, I would say maybe two years or so, and yeah. It, my and the guy sister, would speak in tongues. They would speak in tongues, and then they would invite people to come up, and like, if you pray hard enough, you will speak in tongues but as they, well. But did so. anybody have any, you know, fits and stuff? Did people do that? Not that I recall, no. Because I went to a church like that once. Okay. It was my... It was my um, best friend's father was a preacher, and he also worked with my father. They worked as postal clerks. Hmm. And I guess his weekend job was being a preacher. And they took olive oil, and they put it on people, and people would start flipping around like fish and stuff and speaking <laughs> tongues. So then he said, Lance, come on up here. I said, no. I said, no, I don't want to go. And he said, call me a couple more times like as if I was going to turn around. I said, no, I don't want to go. And then I said, Dad, I don't want to go back there anymore. Hmm. And I said, why didn't you ever have me baptized as a Catholic? And he said, because I think it should be your decision. Mm -hmm. And he never Wise did. Man. So I said, I'm not doing it then. I don't remember much of the church experience except for volunteering to go up and speak in tongues. And, uh, and did you do I it? I did. 
You went up there and spoke into it. Of course, it was totally performative. It was. <laughs> but who's that? Well, you think the others weren't? You think there was? You think theirs wasn't? Wait, wait. Yours was. You went up there seven years old. Yeah. And what they do? Do they grab you by the shoulders or something? No, or they just they, there would be you know random people who would get up from the seating area and come up to the front and just. So what about your brother and sister? You. What about your sister oh, was, and your brother? I'm Did sure, they do it? I'm sure. No, I don't think so. But I'm sure it was a dare on their part. And, okay. Uh, I, I rarely turn down dares. So. so you were that one. You were that one. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen. Let's go get Lori today. Let's see. Let's see what happens to her when she jumps off this building. <laughs> So, so, say, so growing up, tell me, were you more physical or were you more academic growing up as a child? Uh, I was actually quite balanced between the two. Mm -hmm. I was on all the sports teams and also all of the, the nerd teams. Um, I grew up playing softball. Um, I was on the track and field team, volleyball for years. So yeah, playing in all the sports. But then I was also a member of uh, the biology club and the mathletes where we would go to other high schools and have math competitions. <laughs> oh, okay. So tell me, what, what kind of work did your father and mother do? Uh, my mother was just a, just a, a pejorative, I shouldn't use right, that. Right, my right. mother was a homemaker. Which is a uh, lot of work, there's no doubt about quite that. Quite a lot of work. I learned to appreciate uh, that. And my father was in banking, but not in the way that most people imagine a banker. This is, is a, a smaller level financial institution. Okay. Uh, but he's still one of the, like, was, we, we call them savings and loans? Yes, like that. yes. Okay. I think something like that. Yeah. yeah. But was it in the neighborhood, close to the neighborhood? It was, yeah, you know, a, a short drive away, I think. Okay. But I, I think he moved several different uh, locations mm -hmm. during his career. But he was one of the people, I would guess this would be the early 90s, late 80s. I don't remember the timeline well, but um, who was forced out in early retirement due to, you know, economic downturn at the time and didn't work after that. So, what age was that? Oh, he would have been in his 50s. Oh, I think. 50s, okay. Yeah, so still. So he didn't do anything after that? Uh, he did just sort of uh, trading, stock okay. trading online at home. Oh, so he did stuff at home? Yeah. Your kids are still young. Yes, well, young, uh, first year of high school and first year of university. Now I saw some old pictures then, because <laughs> those old pictures. I was thinking a little seven-year-old. I thought you had a seven and eight-year-old. How, yeah. how old are they? The uh, 19 and 16. And it's boy and a girl. Yes. Who's the oldest? Uh, my son, Kai. Your son, okay. Yeah. The love of your heart. You're going to love this saying. I heard that for a son, his first true love is his mother. Mm -hmm. And for a mother, her last true love is her son. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Isn't that something? Yeah, I, I'm sure there's quite a lot of truth in that. Yeah. Um, raising a son has been an adventure, and as, as a 19-year-old, I, well, all the years coming up to 19, I've been waiting for that moment where he creates that sort of necessary separation between his mother and himself, and it has not come yet. <laughs> he would be more than happy to hold hands with me and walk down the street. Are you kidding? I don't think he would be Blink embarrassed at all. <laughs> And my you take advantage would, of that, too. You take advantage of that, too. Of course, of course. <laughs> Your daughter's, what, she's had that separation. Oh, yes. I mean, I think that that's sort of typical for yeah. raising a daughter as, as the mother. Um, I think she wanted that separation pretty much from birth. She was <laughs> strong and independent and still is. She's just, yeah, she's amazing. But not the um, not needing the mother type. Now, how old is she? She's 16 16, now. Yeah. 16. Yeah. How old was your son when he started walking? 
Oh gosh, you started walking pretty early. Um, I know that oftentimes male children walk later, but he was uh, nine months, ten months. Yeah, probably somewhere around there. I know even at six months he was using you know those walkers that you put them in and just he was just speeding all over the place and yeah. Your daughter, how old was she? Uh, she, I think, was actually a little bit later <laughs> oh, when she started walking. Yeah. 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 Watching him bump into walls and stuff. She, she... figured. Out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stand here for a second. <laughs> she was not the the. She didn't have that need for speed. I think okay. that my son had. Um, she was more of the jumper type, just standing in place. <laughs> and going up and down, just building mu muscles and make <laughs> exactly. sure I get this right first. That's interesting. Okay, so. Going through school, you were pretty balanced as far as sports and as far as academics went. Did you have any favorites as far as sports or academics? Did you have any particular subjects you liked the most? Because mm. you went off to a fair. You said you went off to the science fair, biology fair? Yes, yes. I did participate in the science fairs. and oh, I love doing those science projects, You know, the ones that you have in junior high and high school. I don't know if they even still do those anymore, um, where you know you go through the you have your projects that you display and the parents get to come and see the, the science fair on, on your school's campus and then the select few go to the district level and the state level. So I did get to participate in the state science fair once. What was it? What was it? What was the project? It was on solar energy. Okay. And this would have been uh, like around 80, 84 or so. Um, so before solar energy was actually um, a big thing. A yeah. big thing. Uh, and I thought it was a brilliant project, but looking at it now, I, I think I don't even remember what I did. But it was it involved basically like using a light bulb to heat a variety of different materials and see which one is retaining more heat. What that had to do with solar energy, I'm not exactly sure. But uh, so this was by yourself. Yeah, yeah. You didn't do it as a team. No, no. These are all solo projects. So yeah, I had really good memories of doing that. And I remember um, my parents coming to see the state science fair. And. Um, my father making some comment afterwards um, that he continued to um, use towards me in many instances later in life, something about you can pull the wool over anybody's eyes, meaning that I, I won this prize, but there was really not a lot of basis or science see, behind okay. that science. Okay. Um, and I think he saw that um, and thought it was kind of funny. So. But you still won. I still won. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. <laughs> So okay, so through high school, what were your focus? What was your focus in high school? Because you have to start to get serious now as mm. you start from a junior to a senior. I had a strange um, high school experience. I went to a really large high school on the south side of Chicago. I would guess roughly four thousand students or so. It was a very very large school, in an economically disadvantaged area. I grew up kind of kind of on the cusp of upper lower class okay. or lower middle class okay. somewhere around there and so the cl the, the school was really mixed yes it was what was a, the percentage like a black to white oh i would say roughly 90 percent black um probably five did you have blonde white. hair then too when you were younger yes yes and I you was okie dokie <laughs> so tell <laughs> me your experience um I, you know as i mentioned earlier i was actually quite good at sport and i was playing volleyball um, for the school team, and this was in my second year of high school. Uh, we were playing volleyball in gym class, and of course, I was better than just the regular girls who are playing. And I wasn't smart enough to know how to not play my fullest, so I spiked a ball and it hit a girl's 
hand. She I was probably trying to block it and broke her finger. And after that, troubles started to, to happen. I was often singled out and beaten up in the hall and just had all sorts of um, not no great experiences. No one gave you aid? Uh, if it was in the hall in front of people like where the teachers were around, then that was usually stopped. But there were several incidents in um, the locker room that, you know, where there's not <laughs> those eyes there. And so, yeah, it wasn't the best place for an education. And I was really, um, I was a book reader. I loved books as a child and really enjoyed studies. So I knew from second year of high school that I needed to get out of that school and um, find somewhere that I could get a better education. But um, as I think most areas in the U.S. are, the private schools are religious institutions. And I didn't well, grow up. Yeah, it was all, in my neighborhood, it was almost all Catholic schools. Mm -hmm. And I didn't grow up with religion, so that kind of, that was one of the reasons I couldn't transfer to those schools, but also financially, my parents couldn't afford that. So I decided um, at that ripe old age of 15 that I was going to go overseas and study abroad. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know. That would have made you still a, a sophomore or junior? I was sophomore. A sophomore, right? Yeah, when I, when I decided this was what I was going to do. So I ended up... Um, writing to the Australian uh, embassy. And of course, this is way before internet and all of that. So I write a letter to the Australian embassy and they sent me a nice list of schools to contact. And uh, one of them said, yeah, we'll take you, come on out. And they found me a host family. So I was 16, I guess, when I left. I did my most of my junior, senior year then. Who funded it? Uh, well, I... <laughs> I went, before I left, I didn't have money for airfare or anything. So I went around to like the Kiwanis, Kiwanis Club, I guess, okay. and the Lions Club and That's all of those okay. and right. gave them a little speech about, you know, what I wanted to do. And they each gave me in a few hundred dollars here and there and I made enough money for the airfare. You did this all on your own? Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what's dad saying about this and what's mom saying about this at the time and your brother and sister? I'm sure at the beginning they probably thought this was just another fantasy of mine and that I, you know, wasn't really going to happen. But when I started actually going out and collecting money, I think they realized, wow, she's actually going to try and do this. And I'm sure they were very supportive. Mm. So yeah, I, I ended up at a really lovely school in Australia called uh, Presbyterian Ladies College. Don't you know, Laurie, wait just a minute. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> now you're all of 15. I'm just trying to picture this. Okay, mm -hmm. so you're all in 15, you collect the money. All, first of all, you've got Matsi or whatever, to be able to go to these organizations alone to speak to them, to get them to give you funds. Mm -hmm. So they did that. Mm -hmm. You had no issues. But you'd already been beaten up by some black kids, so you said, hey, <laughs> what could be worse than that? Yeah, I, I've earned my stripes. This is easy. Shoot. <laughs> no. So you went to these different organizations, you got the funds. Do, had you ever flown or been anywhere before? I had never been anywhere. As I said, I mean, we were financially not very well off. And we, the only time we took a vacation in my entire childhood was um, we drove from Chicago down to St. Louis and stopped at random places along the way, like some Indian burial mound. And <laughs> so that was... Um, my entire experience of traveling outside of Chicago. Yeah, it was fun when you did it. It was, it was, it was great, yeah. 
But you're looking back. See, you're, you're telling it to me after you've seen, you realize what happened. Because we used to go camping all the time. Okay. And I told my mother, that would just be so much fun. She said, no, we only did that because we couldn't afford to go to hotels. <laughs> it's fun to me. Right. <laughs> a good time. So, so you got on the plane to go. And tell me how to, how to go on. Uh, well, I just remember being on the plane, very first time on a plane, so 16 years old, and realizing what, I, what I'm doing. It's like, I can't believe this is actually happening. I'm actually leaving. And, you know, this is before cell phones, before internet, before... So I knew that I would be completely cut off out of contact with everyone that I know. And not knowing what it is I'm actually getting involved in on the other end. Um, and just breaking down in tears in the airplane. And the, the reason was I, I put on the earphone the, to, to hear the movie and mine weren't working. And th that was like the last straw. <laughs> just, just the tears started. Because you, you said, what am I really doing? <laughs> Did you ever see yourself coming back home? Or? Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I knew it was just short term. I was going to be there for you know the rest of high school. And that was well, it. Well, that short term, you were a sophomore, right? Yeah. So it'd be two more years. You'd have I, I left in my junior year. So Genius, it was during so my haven't. sophomore year that I was going through, you know, all the contacts and getting everything set yeah. up. So it took then, you a year, okay. Yeah. So how long did you stay for a year? I stayed, uh, yeah, junior and part of senior year. Or, yeah, yeah. So how was the experience? What was it like? You uh, could tell Australia and... It was like one of the best times of my life. Um, it changed who I am completely. And one of the things I always tell my own students now is, you know, if you ever have a chance to study abroad, never pass that up. It's going to open up not only new worlds to you, but it's going to open up parts of yourself that you didn't know that you had. So for my experience, um, good and bad, the first family that the school had found for me uh, was actually a daughter. They had their daughter in that school. So they were looking for someone who would be a friend what age? Same age? Yeah, she was the same age okay. as me. And she didn't have any friends at the school. So they kind of were hoping that, you know, oh, we'll take that, that sad-looking American girl and <laughs> we'll have an instant friend for our daughter. And, you know, we, we got along fine. There was no problem there. But I'm new to this country. I want to go out and make my own friends. And the family sort of pushed back against that. They didn't want me going out or doing they things without... They had you tell without, to her. Yeah. yeah. So I was with them for several months, and then they were going on a family uh, trip. We were up in Sydney, and we were going down to Melbourne. And I remember getting out of the train station in Melbourne, and uh, the mother standing there, I, I still have this really vivid picture of, it was, they had uh, three kids in the family. I remember the three kids and the mother, and I guess the father wasn't there with us. She turns and looks at me and she says, Lori, I don't think you're going to enjoy anything that we're going to do. So why don't you go do what you want to do? And they walked away and they left me at the central station in Melbourne, 16 years old, with, you know, no phone, no money, no, I didn't even know who I would call if I could call someone. And that's the last time I saw that family. <laughs> what did the daughter do that you'd been tethered to? What did she do? She look at you and go, nye, 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 something like that? <laughs> No, they all just, I, I ama amazed that um, that this woman actually did this to me. But I'm also amazed that like no one sort of seemed to bat an eye. It seemed like maybe it was orchestrated in advance um, because they all just sort of turned and walked away and left me there. Uh, yeah. 
So that was my, my first family. So how did you get out of that? What, to resolve this for us, please. Yeah, I was obviously another one of those moments where you break down in tears. Okay. And it's usually the beginning of most solutions. Start with tears and then... Uh, I remember standing there crying and a very nice person on the street asked me if I was okay. Obviously I wasn't. And they brought me to a police station. And the police station you know, got my details and, you know, is there anyone we could contact for you? And I'm just searching my mind. Who do I know? Who do I know? And I was, I had a boyfriend up in, in Sydney, so I'm going to call his mom maybe. <laughs> and, and they called her, they, I, I didn't know her number or anything, so but they somehow, you know, in the old day, they probably right. popped out that telephone book. and. <laughs> you knew her name and everything. Yeah, I know her right. name. So they uh, contacted her and she actually came all the way down to Melbourne to get me. So I stayed in a hotel that night, um, and then that next morning she was down and brought me back up. I stayed with them for a couple nights while um, they tried to find a family for me, and one of my friends from school um, offered her family, well, her family obviously offered to have me stay. Really, really beautiful family, kind of one of those... Um, leave it to beaver type of, of families. I, the, I was not with them very long because it, after a few weeks there, their father found out he had cancer. So it was bad timing to, to be with. But in that short time that I was there, my biggest memory was um, every day the mother baked a pie, a homemade pie every single day. And I remember like the kids coming home and the, the first thing they would be yeah, the smell as you open the door, mom, what's today's pie? And yeah, who, can you kids? imagine? How old were the kids? Their daughter obviously was my age, and mm -hmm. I think they had an older son. I, wasn't this your boyfriend? No, this is a different no, family. No, this is, different. yeah, different, okay, family. different family. So okay. she was Jewish. She was um, in my school. She was a classmate. And then an older brother and I think a younger brother as well. So, yeah, it was... It was um, every day a pie. Every day a pie. <laughs> can you imagine doing that? <laughs> Baking a pie every single day. And then the dad had cancer. Yeah, yeah. Are you are you still in contact with any of the people that you met? Not with yeah. those two families, okay. but then my third family. Um, okay, so after happen? after having to leave that family, I was able through actually my boyfriend's mom then found me a family completely not related to my school. I have no idea what that connection was, how she found them, but they were amazing. Stay with them the rest of my time, the Morrises, and I'm sure some of them are going to be watching this. And how, I how much still... time was that? How much time was that? <laughs> oh, I was there, I'd say eight months or so. Eight months. Yeah. And I still eight am months. in contact with every single member of that family. Um, I follow, the, especially now with, you know, things like Facebook right, and, right, and right. Instagram. And they're all and doing well? They are all doing wonderfully well. So how big was their family? Uh, three children. And, ages? Were they, um, I mean, no, I mean... When you were growing up, were they your age? You had two yeah. girls? Yeah, so John, I think, was a year or two older than me, then Chris, a year younger, and Chris Rowena. Was, was Chrissy a girl? A uh, boy. Okay, two boys and a two girl. Two boys, and then Rowena, the girl, was a couple years younger. And they're all married now with kids they of their own. They're all married now with kids of their own, and yes, and beautiful children. Really, really a joy to have watched. They call you auntie? They call you, no, no, no. Not, I've never actually them. met their children you in haven't? person. I have not been back to Australia since I think '91. You're gonna have to get back there and I'm see them. I'm definitely now. going to. But you, have you done? Have you done video chat with them yet? No. Oh come no. on! Well, this is no. close. You're yeah. gonna get there when they see you on this. <laughs> you have to get on the video. And see them. So tell me what happened with them when you were with them. Ah uh, well, I think they were just a really, really wonderful family. Um, 
they were into orienteering, which I, I, you know, I was a Chicago girl. My orienteering, orienteering is where you're out in like absolute nature with a, a compass and a map. That's called orienteering. Orienteering. And That's I don't know exactly what they're looking for, but they're looking for something with these two things. And they're running around in the woods. And um, so I was taken to a lot of orienteering events. I guess there were events. Um, did not actually participate. I was just camping along alongside. Was this the whole family would do this? Or the just... whole family, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, and you know, being Australia, and you're out in in the outback. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if they actually call it the outback, but you're out, you know, out out of the city. Lots and lots of um, nature involved, right. like spiders. And okay. So what happened? So I, I remember one evening um, I was in the tent asleep probably and the father comes and taps me on the shoulder he's like Lori come out here by the fire and I'm sleeping I'm like no just come out by the fire for a few minutes and so I go out and then he goes back in the tent and <laughs> he comes out okay you can go back to sleep and then <laughs> there were a couple of funnel web spiders in, they were in the in tent there that he's trying to get you to get up so they could <laughs> so he but could aren't these poisonous up. yes yes so I'm very grateful that he he did that um, or noticed that they were in there because if you got panicked, would they? Are they? Do they, I don't know. Do they jump or do they? Are they quick or? I have no idea. But he took care of it. <laughs> he took care of it for me. Yes. Wow. <laughs> so what other ways were you changed? Okay, for one thing, you, you. I'm sure you got a little more calm around creatures that you'd mm -hmm. never seen before. Mm -hmm. So you don't have that problem anymore. What other things changed? Because think... you're coming. You're a woman now. You're you're yeah. becoming into womanhood. <laughs> so I'm sure. Um, I was, and I. I would still say I'm, I'm fairly shy. Um, I guess I'm not anymore, but at that time I was, I was very introverted. And I think I passed up on a lot of experiences, even when I was in Australia, because I was just afraid of joining into things. And then as time was going on, I'd start realizing, you know, I really should have done this. I wish I would have tried that. So I think I learned quite a lot about myself at that time and the fact that I was missing out on opportunities, like not letting myself experience things that I actually really wanted to try. So I, yeah, I learned that um, during that period. And also just I think uh, you're an American as well. You probably, when you first went overseas, that realization that America really is not the center of the world. Isn't that interesting? Yes. That you, you know, you grow you think up that's... thinking that everyone from the outside yeah. looks at us and thinks that we're, and no, Ours no. is in color, theirs in black and white. <laughs> <laughs> Our world's in color. You guys live in a black and white world. <laughs> that's what you believe. Yes, yes. So, so I call it reverse culture shock now. Mm -hmm. So you came back to the States. What did you feel when you came back to the States? Oh. Because you saw Australia completely different than yeah. and the U.S., mm. of course. I think at the time, I, well, I came back and I knew that I wanted to go back to Australia. So you cried a lot when you got on in the airport <laughs> with the family? I think going back, um, yeah, there was, there was a lot of tears leaving. Yeah. And when I got back to Chicago, I had a few months until the official graduation date for American high schools. And um, it was that time period when I needed to decide college, what am I doing with my life? So once again, my, my old go-to there is I wrote to the Australian embassy and filed immigration papers. 
<laughs> I tried to immigrate to Australia, so I would have been oh, yeah. 17, 18. But can you do that? Are you, you well, were, they told me no. You, um, you weren't old enough to be able to do it, right? <laughs> they actually, they sent me a very nice letter. Your parents nice didn't know letter. you were doing that? I think they did. Okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> this is, okay, we got two here. <laughs> Um, yeah, I received a very nice response from the embassy basically telling me that they only accept people who can contribute to society in a meaningful way, which, okay, understood. I was 17, 18 years old, um, probably didn't have a lot of skills um, to contribute, but that set me on the course that I went on. Uh, when I was in Australia, actually, one of my closest friends there was a Japanese girl, uh, Kyoko who I'm still in, in contact with. And um, from her, I, you know, I, of course, just talking about Japan and it sounded also interesting. And she taught me a few words in Japanese and, you know, it just seemed like this would be something kind of fun to study. You met her where? Uh, when I was in Australia. In Australia? Yeah. So from what, how, how long did you know her while you were there? Was oh, it towards the end? Gosh, probably about a year or so. Oh, yeah, so you know yeah. her for a year. Yeah. Same age. Same age, yeah. And she was the same school? No, she was at a different school. A different school. Yeah. How'd you meet? Well, then how'd you meet her? She was an exchange student as well. So okay. with um, that, the group, the, the organization. Group, yes. So, so you had to meet. You had to meet every now and then just to like to um, check in. Exactly. And see how you were doing. Yes, I did probably monthly meetings. A monthly, or okay, so. right. Yeah. So yeah. she was there. From Japan. From Japan, and um, you know how Japanese people tend to stick with Japanese people. So all the Japanese students were, and I, I think all the American students were probably, you know, we were all in our own country groups. Right. And, but she kind of had that olive branch out in her hand, and she's that type of person, just, you know, really she open was, and welcoming. She was like you. She wanted to go outside of her circle. Exactly. She said, it looks a little bit more interesting out there. <laughs> I know this. Let me see what that's like. Yeah. So yeah. she came over to you. There wasn't blonde hair. Goes, we don't have those in Japan. <laughs> So she came over to you. So she put out the olive branch. Yeah. You met with her, mm -hmm. and then was was her English good enough? Or? Yeah, I don't recall having any problems. I'm sure um, it wasn't perfect, but yeah, we had no problem communicating. Okay. Yeah, yeah. She's a, turned out to have a wonderful career. She was with uh, Sony for quite a long time, kind of a very top level position there, and has lived abroad and now has a new dream. I don't know why I'm telling you all about uh, my friend, but um, no, she's, uh, she impresses me so much because she's, she's, here in had, Japan she's here in Japan right now. No, she's actually in the U.S. right now. Married, um, kids? Married with a son. Um, she you know, attained quite a, a high position um, in her career and then decided that she wants to become a sushi chef. So while she was... Yeah, while well, she was still it. working, she was um, started going to a cooking school, and now she's interning at a restaurant in Florida. And her long-term goal is to um, open a sushi restaurant in Spain. <laughs> so she inspires me. Okay, so tell me more about you. So you go back to the States. Yeah, so when the friend. Australian government declined my, my offer to move there wow. for them, I uh, <laughs> decided I probably should uh, go to university. So, yeah, I um, started, I went to my undergraduate at University uh, Southern Illinois University, uh, way down at the tip of Illinois, a um, very rural location as well, where I finally learned how to camp. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it was a great time, um, really, really wonderful community. I was, um, at the time, I was in sort of the punk rock 
community. Is that right? Okay. Yes. So I was very much into the, you know, it's a hardcore punk rock scene. Did you do tats and stuff too? Not me. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> not me. But, <laughs> not me, but, but you, yeah. had, no, you had a lot of friends that did. <laughs> a lot okay. of friends who did. Okay. Um, and I lived in a house where we had live shows in the basement. So pretty much every weekend we'd have shows with like bands from all around the U.S. who were on tour. They would come and play shows in the basement and then sleep on our floor for a night and we'd feed them. And you said we. What do you mean? Who's we? Uh, I lived in a house, you know, the, the punk rock house. So okay. it was, you know, several people. Okay. Um, I think there were probably four or five of us in, in the house, but you know, people would come and go, and it was one of those types of places where anyone in the in the community could kind of hang out. So I'd come home from classes, and there'd be you know fifteen, twenty people hanging out in the living room, and it was it was really a great time. Just that sense of community is something I never had before, and I mm -hmm. will never experience that again. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. Okay, so from there, where did it lead you? Well, when I started at university, as I said, I with my friend Kyoko, I decided, well, I might want to study Japanese. So I was studying Japanese language, um, but my major was political science. This is in uh, Illinois. This is, yeah, it's Southern okay. Illinois. So this okay. is my undergraduate. And I'm still very interested in politics. I just didn't like a lot of the courses that I had to take. I, I found them more old-fashioned in a sense than I had thought um, or anticipated the education would be so I decided I was much more interested in the, the Japanese side of things and um, they didn't have an Asian studies major at um, Southern Illinois so I went through a program where you create your own major basically I had to design a major for myself I just never do things the easy way so I decided <laughs> I'm going to design my own major and put together at least a selection of courses that I wanted to take and gave it a title and you know had to Did present you, Were this. you able to decide how many credits you get as a result of it too? <laughs> no, each of the courses actually has set credits, so okay. I, did, I didn't get to choose that myself. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a winner. <laughs> after this class, I'm done. <laughs> All right. Yeah, and, and then made the proposal to the dean and they accepted it. So uh, in the end, I ended up creating kind of a, you know, an Asian studies, Japanese language type of... Based on what you did. Yeah. So but I you were the only person doing it at first. Only so person doing finish. it there. Yeah. <laughs> so what did it include? What did it include? Uh, well, I was a Japanese language and I was also taking Korean, um, but they didn't have a Korean teacher. So I was doing that independent study type of... Mm -hmm. well, by that <laughs> time, the internet was to starting to come to fruition, right? Yeah. So you were able to get um, some material. Not quite yet. My first you? brush with the internet was in graduate school. Okay. So it sort of been 91, mm -hmm. I guess. Um, so yeah, after finishing my undergraduate degree, I decided to go on um, for my master's, and I went to University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, so moving up the state, getting a little closer back to Chicago. Um, and there I was in the Asian study, East Asian Studies, program and my degree was in um, Japanese literature. So yeah, my first master's degree was focusing on Japanese literature and realized quickly that I'm not a literature person. Um, <laughs> I, and to this day, I don't, I don't dislike, but I don't really care for fiction. Um, I'm much more of a nonfiction type. So I realized being a person who doesn't really like fiction as a literary <laughs> specialist probably isn't the, the perfect fit for me, mm. and decided to move on um, 
to University of California at Berkeley, where I was in the PhD program there and in anthropology. But this is your first time going to the West Coast now, right? First time. Well, I'd been to the West Coast um, on my way back from Australia. Okay. Um, my plane had a bit of an accident and I ended up stuck in LA. And my older sister was down in San Diego at the time. So she came mm -hmm. up and I ended up staying Was there. she in school there or was she just... No, her, uh, she was married at the time and oh, her no, husband married. was in the Navy. Okay. So they were down at the Naval Base right. in San Diego. So yeah, I ended up staying with her for probably a week or so. And that was, wow. yeah, 17, I guess. 18, yeah. Okay. Um, but actually living out there. Your sister's older, your brother's younger. Yes. Okay. Wow. So you went there and you stayed, you crashed with her for a while. Because yes. of the plane, because of the plane incident. Yeah, there was something, there was a delay. We, at this time, those direct flights, maybe they had them, I couldn't afford it, I don't uh, remember. But okay. I went from Australia, from Sydney to New Zealand, and we were supposed to land in Auckland. But we ended up in Christchurch. Mm -hmm. And we're all, you know, they're telling us we have to get off the plane, we're in Christchurch, and we're all looking around like, why are we in Christchurch? We were supposed to go Auckland, and then on to LA, and then Chicago. And... As we're getting off the plane in Christchurch, we're in this like holding area in the airport and just waiting and waiting and waiting for what seemed like forever until an announcement came that um, our flight crew had gone on strike. <laughs> <laughs> like in the middle you of the flight. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, they couldn't, couldn't they have waited a little bit? Come on. So we, they, they put us all up in hotels in Christchurch. So I was delayed. So I had all of those connecting flights lined up, which now were no, no longer no, connecting. No, right. So I got to L.A. and had no idea what I was supposed to do, um, how to rebook flights. You know, I was still a kid. I had no, no clue what was going on. Um, and I remember getting off the plane in L.A. and this woman starts shouting my name. And she's like, Lori, Lori, like, who are you? Why are you yelling at me? Um, it turned out she was the aunt of my father, who I probably had met as a child. But She remembered you. Yeah, she, I guess my father had called her because oh. she was the only family that we Dude. had in L.A. to you know, be there when I get off the plane because I wouldn't know what was happening. Um, so apparently the airlines must have called my parents okay. to let them know. Okay. But I didn't know my parents knew and I didn't know who this was anyway. So she took me for the night. My sister drove up the next day and uh, I went down and stayed with her as we figured out how to rebook mm. all the flights. And today that stuff happened like you can handle all uh -huh. of that oh, so easily. I think they probably do it all for right. you now. But then you miss all the adventure. You, would <laughs> exactly. have, you, you don't have a story anymore. <laughs> all the stories are gone. You have to you have to purposely create these stories now. <laughs> That's just That was your life. Yeah. That's interesting. And then that, that same series of flights flying then from L.A., we had to stop in, this time I was going L.A. to, I think it was Denver to Chicago. Mm -hmm. And in Denver, um, the plane ran over the tow bar okay. as we were landing. So we kind of skidded off the runway. And and you remember, that was, that oh, was fun. I remember that. that was yeah, fun. that was uh, a bit of excitement. And in then America, they the tend to vocalize, yeah. <laughs> they vocalize their, yeah. their feelings in the States. <laughs> Very unlike Japanese, would be very quiet, just mm, 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 mm. <laughs> the stage. You know, <laughs> it was like going to the church. You had to go to. You start speaking in tongues, right? <laughs> so you get back home. You go back to Chicago after that. What'd you do from there? You well, said you stayed with your sister. Yeah, and I went back to Chicago and back to my parents' home. So after you know, quite a time away from that environment, I was back, um, but only for a few months, and then off to university after that. 
to that, study what? That was when when I was starting uh, my undergrad degree in uh, okay. that became a degree in Japanese but not Japanese literature in East Asian studies. Okay. So before I went to university, because I had a few uh, uh, several months, um, because I finished high school in Australia, but American system was still going. So I started a job at an advertising agency in Chicago. Um, I'd have been 18, I guess, um, working as a receptionist. Okay. And it got me really interested in advertisement, which I still use in a lot of my, my work today. Um, but it also gave me an understanding that I was not cut out for the business environment, that it's not where I felt like myself. And it could partially be because of the position, um, you know, the lowest on the rung and just, you know. You get all of the, get, everything, yeah. 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 Um, all of the abuse of the customers at the front desk, as well as all of the pressure of, you know, every single employee behind you that this is, you know. Um, but there were perks as an advertising agency. One of our clients was a major um, chicken chain. So I had all of these like free chicken coupons and I, I was a vegetarian, still am. Um, but you know, you could give chicken coupons to all of your friends for free right. chicken, and so that was you know buddies, cultural yeah. capital at that time. Right, right. Oh, uh, so yeah, I did that, and then I'm then off to university. So I used that time period to make money to go to university because I didn't have um, any savings at the time. Uh, so yeah, I worked for a while and then saved up off to university, and didn't realize the university system in America. Um, the sort of financial aid system, if you have money, you don't actually qualify for a lot of the financial aid. So in that very first year, every cent that I had saved up working that I was hoping to be able to use for four years of college, I had to use all in that first year. And then I could get the financial aid as soon as I used up all of my money. So yeah, I learned a bit about financial planning at that time as well. <laughs> so how'd you get, how'd you eventually come to Japan? They said, we'll buy you a plane ticket. Do you want to go to Japan or do you want to go back to Australia? So after university, I went back to Australia. Your parents said this? Yes, yes. Why? why? That was my graduation gift. Oh, yeah, okay. I yes. got you, okay. So as a graduation gift, they knew I wanted to, to go somewhere. They couldn't afford to send me to two places. And I chose Australia, and I'm glad I did. I'd been away for four years at that time. Um, and, you know, I did want to immigrate there, so I still wanted to go back and see everyone. Um, so it wasn't until after graduate school that I finally got to Japan for the first time. And that was uh, through a program with Princeton University. Um, so it was a summer language program out in Kanazawa. And that was my very first experience living here. So living in Kanazawa, which is an absolutely beautiful city. And then back to the US. And then I was at Berkeley after that. So I didn't actually come to live in Japan until 1994. So I've been here since 94. 94. Yeah. And you haven't been back? Have Well, I back to travel, but not, but to, not, live. not to live. So I've okay, lived here so. for 20, almost 29 years. 29, 29 years, years next month, in, in May. Yeah. Permanent resident now? Yes, permanent resident. Okay. Yeah. Two children? Two children. Your husband's Japanese? Uh, yes, my my ex is Japanese. Okay. Yes. Is he also an academic? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. He um, is the director of a program that used to be called the Stanford Center. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's through Stanford University, but now it's run by a consortium of American universities. So the title is uh, the American, hmm? America Canada Daigaku Rengo Nihon Kenkyu Center. Okay. 
So yeah, a bit of a mouthful. <laughs> it is. So when you so you actually learned to read and write as well? Yes. Okay, how long did that take? Well, I started studying Japanese my freshman year of university. So mm -hmm. through freshman year and then through graduate school, I guess I studied six years. And then when I was at UC Berkeley, I was actually teaching Japanese. Okay. So I was teaching, I was, you know, first year, first year Japanese, so the very basics. Um, but I found that when I actually got to Japan um, to live that um, I could read and write but I couldn't really speak. So it was sort of the opposite for how a lot of foreigners in Japan, they can come here and they'll pick up spoken Japanese, but they never learn how to read or write. Whereas I had all the book learning I got here and I couldn't, I, I, I could communicate, communicate like right. really formally, but um, people right. would look at me really strange. Right, and right. Like, what, what is wrong with her? Um, so yeah, I was in the program um, through that center. It was, it's a program that's designed to teach advanced level Japanese for research purposes for okay. academics. So it's, um, you know, universities, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, UC, uh, University of Chicago, UCLA, UC Berkeley. Um, so it's graduate students in a variety of different disciplines who are all focusing on some aspect of Japan. Hmm. So I did that program for a year, intending fully to return to the US and hopefully find a teaching position back there. But I while I was here, I was offered a position at Kale, and I thought, great university. I will definitely do that for a year or so, and been... this is year 28. <laughs> now, you say you're a lecturer there, but you're not a lecturer. What does that mean, being a lecturer there? Oh, well, it means that I lecture. <laughs> um, I, I teach courses, but I am not um, what would be considered like a full professor. Okay. So, okay, I got it now. Because I was wondering, because I know what a lecturer is, but mm -hmm. I just didn't understand what other responsibilities you'd have to have mm -hmm. outside of lecturing. I figured you'd have to be teaching classes or something. Mm. So they keep you on this a yearly basis. Yes, the contracts here are, are yearly renewable, yeah, but you know, if you, as long as you, you don't know, commit crimes. You don't mess up right, of course. <laughs> Before I end the podcast, Lori, I always like to ask this question, which you might be ready for since you saw some of the podcast. Mm -hmm. If you were to go back in time, magically, and you would see the younger Lori, what time would you go back to and what advice would you give yourself? Oh, wow. What time would I go back to? Probably just before high school. I think I grew up um, as a very quiet child and not really wanting to participate with other people. Um, I'm sure today I would have been diagnosed with something on the spectrum. Um, I, I'm sure there's all sorts of um, variations of autism, but I, I do feel that there are parts of my behavior and my way of thinking that would certainly place me um, on the autism spectrum. Um, Self-diagnosis is not anything I encourage people to do. <laughs> but, but you know, it's when you read things and you start to kind of so, see I yourself. That, I and, that, yeah, yeah I, I remember, I'm going off track here, but That's I remember um, an aunt going on a trip to Hawaii when I was still a very small child, I would guess maybe six or seven. And she brought back dolls for me and my sister and cousins. And each one, they were like dolls that looked like little Hawaiian girls. 
and everyone got the, you know, they were all in different dresses and different poses and things and everyone's were really cute and i got this one that was sitting cross-legged with this huge pout on her face <laughs> this one you picked no no that this was what she, she gave you for me and you know it's like this one is a, you know closest to your personality um so yeah i would go back to before high school and hopefully try and tell myself to be more open, more open to, and if I found my way there eventually, but I think even during my time, like in Australia and other experiences, I still didn't fully participate in everything. Um, I still hesitated too much, and I still do that um, to this day. And like being invited on this podcast, my, my instinct is to be like, hell no. <laughs> that's what you said yeah. at first, but not in those words. That's what you basically said. And I said, well, let me see if I can sweeten the pot a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, and then I, you know, and then I realized you're doing it again. You know, you're doing what comes most natural to you, which is to hide um, and not participate. So yes, I did decide I can't keep doing that, and here I am. Oh, that's beautiful, Lori. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Yeah, I really thank you so much. It. Thank you Great so, to meet so you. much. And I hope we get to do some more because there's so much more about your life that we didn't touch upon. Hmm. But I want everyone to know the beginning up to this point. Thank you so much. Thank really. you. I want to thank all of you for watching this podcast. Make sure you press like and subscribe. And never forget, it's all on loan. So continue to reach for the stars because you're too blessed to be stressed. <laughs>